If you're looking for great quality outdoor gear, check out thegreatnorthapparel.com. They do men and women's t-shirts, coats, tank tops and more. They use recyclable materials and part of that profit goes towards the environment, so you are contributing to a good cause with your purchase. Use the discount code TRAINING at the checkout and get 30% off. I'll add a link to the description. Welcome to episode 25 of Training Time Truth. Oh wow! Stuff. Really interesting stuff. It's the type of stuff that really I, you know, love to listen about. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, th- there's a lot of. See, I just I'm encouraging people to ask questions. A lot of people say, you know, that you're you're too, too much on this side or too much on that side, or that you know I'm, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. But I don't. The truth is that there's the truth is still to be discovered. We're still discovering that now, and so I don't claim to actually know what the answers are but i just want people to ask questions yeah. ask questions to 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 and, and so that's uh, i'm not sure what videos you may, you may have seen or, or what but um yeah. i've I seen <laughs> a, a recent one there and i think you did it maybe a month ago or so but um okay but first yeah. like what i gathered from it is that you're a guy jonathan clark first of all um you're a biohacker on a yes. fitness and um, yes. mind and body efficiency expert yes and then um, yes you are talking about things like people, how to train people to be the best versions of themselves. That's what yes, I'm kind of indeed. gathering from, from the whole lot. Indeed. So Absolutely. maybe you could, you could give us a brief rundown of, um, of who you are and what biohacking okay. is. Okay. Okay. Hey guys, my name is Jonathan Clark. I am a biohacker. I am a quantum biologist. I am a personal coach. I help people uh, become the best and greatest versions of themselves on a cellular level. I help them energize their cells at from and utilizing energy sources surrounding us that are in abundance and that we really don't even realize are available. And I can talk more about that. But the thing is that most of us think that we get energy from the food that we eat. But if you know anything about Thanksgiving, you know that food doesn't necessarily give you energy. (laughs) And, And many times it can actually translate into creating lots of lethargy and tiredness. And so I wanted to discover, you know, what is it that allows us to be our best? And not just what allows us to be our best physically, but mentally and also at the prime core cellular level at the base of our something called the mitochondria. Now, I may have talked about that. Maybe some of your audience is familiar with what that is. But the mitochondria are more than just the energy powerhouses of our cell. They are essentially the expression of who we are the epigenetic expression and i can explain what that looks like i can explain how that impacts our health our longevity our disease but all of these things work together and are impacted by our environment and the way that we interact with it yeah that's and then 
it's very interesting stuff because you know a lot of people have this idea i i'm just just this month qualified as a are, we, are we recording are we on yeah yeah sorry yeah. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay i wasn't sure <laughs> just, just this month i'm a qualified strength and conditioning coach but, congratulations awesome. thanks very much and uh, but up until that point i was kind of tipping around doing what i would regard as my healthy routine at the time mm-hmm. i was heavier than i should have been and i wasn't mm-hmm. as fit as i was and um only learned about the energy systems going into that and it's such a basic thing that you know a tree basic that like really should be taught from primary school it's kind of like how am i only learning about this and how am i never thought about this before (laughs) you know you just think that you drink water and you eat a bit of food and you run out the door but there's a lot more going on at the yes and gosh and we have discovered in the past few years that it's far more than actually just calories in calories out that was the basis for a long time and then we found that there's different the energetic systems, there's the ATP system, yeah. there's the glucose system, there is, you know, and what really what I specialize in, and when I say a quantum biologist, what I specialize in is understanding how the electromagnetic frequency or electromagnetic band impacts our cells at a very precise and specific level. And this has to do with the way that, that light, both visible and invisible, impacts and turns on different genes within our body turns on and activates different enzymes and makes certain proteins function better than others and all of these things uh work together to create an optimal person and i always tell people i I, a lot of people ask me they say they want to do their best but i say in order to really be your best, you actually have to optimize every system of your body. And right now, if you, if a person is, say they are they're out of shape, they they're have bad health, and they try to be their best, they can be the best version of their limited self. But the truth is that in order to optimize your true potential, you have to optimize what you're actually capable of on a cellular level. And then you can be the best version of your unlimited self. And so this is what I encourage people when I tell all of my clients and everyone I work with. Yeah, and you know what? I'm looking forward to getting into a bit of that with you. But, sure. But you know, like I've started this podcast. Basically, this podcast is called Training Thought and Truth. started about a year ago. I and that. I always thought to myself, you know, if I had my physical and mental health on point, I was doing all right. And that was my own mantra. A couple of years ago, I realized I needed the spiritual side of things as well. And I needed Absolutely. the whole lot to encompass. And then I realized there, from starting this and talking to it, food experts and health experts, the whole holistic side of things, which is kind of along the lines of what you're saying. Well. <laughs> and uh, this, is, this is like um, new to me from six or seven months ago, but uh, I just learned so much from it. Like mm-hmm. I had a guest talking to me about sun gazing and grounding their feet in the soil at the start Absolutely. of the day. And I was kind of like, you know, the more the first person said to me, I was like, yeah, okay. And then the second person's like, what's going on here? You know, and then I realized like the, there is like these things aren't just things that make you feel better or your soul yes. connection to nature. This is like there's more than going on beneath the surface level, isn't there? Yes, there, there is a science behind these things. I used to think that these things were just woo woo and there's energy in the earth and there's an abundance of energy. When you put your bare feet on the ground, if you touch a tree, I used to think that these were just ideas that weren't backed up. But over the past couple of years, we have gathered so much extraordinary data that has showed that these aren't just ideas, but this is a fact. There is an infinite abundance of energy beneath our feet in the form of negative ions that have actually been charged within the earth from 
lightning strikes, believe it or not, from the ionosphere. And a lot of people have heard about the Schumann resonance. So that's actually the frequency or the heartbeat uh, of the planet. It's the frequency between the ionosphere and the Earth. But there's actually not just a frequency, but there's a charge. And the Earth is negatively charged. And everything above it, the sky, the ourselves, are actually positively charged. And we are not able to just know that this exists, but we're able to measure it. We're able to see the impact on the body. We're able to see what happens for people who have had chronic inflammation and see what happens when they put their bare feet on the ground for 30 minutes. And this is some things that really we are beginning to uncover of how important it is because when you look at the diseases that have plagued society over the past 100 years and you look at what has actually transformed in our relationship to nature and a relationship to the earth around us, they say that one of the biggest detriments that humankind has made is the invention of rubber soles. The invention of rubber soles disconnected us from the earth, disconnected us from our ability to access electrons, and I'll explain why electrons are important in a second here. And they've actually it, it prevented our ability to heal ourselves in the way that animals have done for thousands of years in a way that we have as well. And so it's not just that, but it, you actually, earlier you brought up food. And you said, you know, we, we consume food for energy, well, in theory. But why do we eat food? What's the purpose of it? Is it the actual vitamins or is it something more? What gives us energy in food? And I can tell you, that's electrons. The whole reason we eat food in the first place is for one reason and one reason only, electrons. But I had to ask myself, what if we could get electrons from other sources? What if we can get electrons from the earth and what if we could get electrons from the sun the most abundant energy source we have above our head and this took me down a rabbit hole that has not ended yet and the fact is that there are so many untapped resources around us that we are just beginning to uncover and i can uh, yes it's amazing so, but actually you know like before we we do talk a bit more about that maybe we could talk a bit about you know, one thing I notice with, with all these kind of people, um, with all these experts I'm talking to, is that people who've made great success, successful strides in their health, um, always seem to have a story where their past, they've come and hit a rock bottom and bounced back up. I think you're no different here either, I think. If I'm oh, right. no. You're you exactly your right. Story? You're exactly right. Uh, five, a little bit over five years ago, you know, even though I may look healthy today, and I'm in great shape. I'm, in, I'm doing marathons, Tough Mudders. I do all different types of athletic uh, performances. But I wasn't always this way. I, when I first began this journey, I wasn't just unhealthy. I was dying. I had multiple organ failure. I had acute renal failure. I had rhabdomyolysis, acidosis of the blood. I had heart damage, liver damage, brain damage, lung damage. And I was dying. And when I actually... I uh, I actually it was continuing to uh, abuse myself. I was looking for external sources to fill myself up. I was trying to, you know, to, they say, fill a God-sized hole within myself with everything but God. And I was turning to, you know, more money, more drugs, more women, more, more, just external things. And I was never able to fill myself up. And it took me to a horrible, horrible rock bottom to the point where I woke up in the hospital in handcuffs. I woke up in the hospital in handcuffs. And they said that, he said, we'd be surprised if you make it through the weekend. My kidneys had completely shut down. 
and they said, and if you know anything about renal failure, you 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 actually need dialysis. You can you you cannot live very long without your kidneys working. And they said they were surprised that I made it to that point. So I realized that I was alive for a reason. I made it to the hospital for a reason because had I not gone, I'd be dead. And at that point, I was like, wait a minute, this is a gift. This is, this, is, this is not just a second chance. This is a gift to return and give back to the planet, which was given to me, and that was the opportunity at life. And I took that thing, and I absolutely ran with it. And so that was, and, and that was the beginning of my journey. Since then, I've applied the, the science and the principles of extraordinary human performance that has worked for other people across the, the planet for years and, and years on other issues that we are, have, are having ourselves. A lot of people think that when we're having a problem, you know, we're the only ones having it. Well, the fact is that nothing is new. There is no problem that other people haven't had before, that other people haven't overcome, that other people have not tackled and figured out extraordinary ways to do extraordinary things. And if you want to get those extraordinary results, you just have to duplicate the process, and that's what I did, and I and that's and that's how I got here. And you've you've like some amazing certifications even up yeah. until since yeah. then, even haven't you? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's some story. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It, it it really is. It really is. I actually ended up winning an essay contest to Tony Robbins, and when I first got sober, and I remember I flew. I hadn't heard who this guy was, but I knew that he was good. And I ended up writing an essay about how I wanted to get back to society and what I planned to do to make that possible. And I was like, great. Okay. This is about the future. I was like, I don't know if I need to do this. And I found out later that I actually did need to do it, but that I'll get into that a little bit later. But so I wrote this essay about what I could do. Mm-hmm. And I loved that because it was all, it wasn't about my past. It was about what I could create, what I could manifest, what I could uh, bring to the world. And I ended up winning that contest. They flew me out to Chicago, all expense paid, and it blew my mind. I went to UPW in Chicago in, in 2015, and I just had a couple months over at the time. And I said, I don't know what's happening, but this is extraordinary. I want to continue to grow and learn more. I started applying Tony's principles. He's a, a mentor of mine. Uh, I started applying other uh, successful people's mentors' uh, um, principles. I started to actually, it, it, not just that, I was also I was speaking all across the country. I was on the AA circuit. I was speaking wherever I could you know, to give back. And, and I realized that there was something powerful here that was happening, an ability to transform tragedy into triumph, an ability to overcome pain and turn that into power and be able to turn people's history into magnificence going forward. And that'd be the driving fuel in them discovering and giving their true gifts to the world. And, and so it, it's been absolutely incredible uh, what has happened and what I've, I've achieved since then. Yeah, um, I just want to say there is a noise in the background. Can you hear that? I can. It's gone now. Oh, okay. So, um, would you like, should I get, can you hear me loud or should I get headphones? Because sometimes I, think, I have on him. No, I think you're okay. I think it should be okay. Okay. Um, just oh, it's like, gone now. when you're talking about, um, you know, you're going around and there's something powerful here and I really do think it is. I've seen this curve with people that, um, you know, from childhood to adolescence that yeah. they kind of go down health wise, you know, once they leave teens and, and it's like, it seems to be like a, a lack of essential education around <laughs> physical and mental health and, and these things, isn't it? Like, cause the stuff I'm learning now, like in my thirties that it's like, like 
this is so like the energy systems, for example, are like yeah. electrons or electrolytes, yeah. and and you know, um, just getting your health back on point. Like I've incorporated intermittent fasting for the last seven months, and I know that's only one part of what what you're all about as well. But it has helped me tremendously, Fantastic. even to, to jump up to the next level. Um, and and with saying that, do you agree with that? There's a, a huge gap in the education system where we all fall down. Well, I, I I don't think there, there's it's not just a gap, but there's also a misfocus and a misprioritization of energy when we are in our younger years, especially uh, along the in Western uh, traditions. And the fact is that for me, you know, I was so focused on making money. I was so focused on myself. I was going to this self-obsessed, egocentric ideal of what what success was that I was trying to fill myself up with other things trying to you know and not realizing not doing anything for anybody else and that you know everyone has said is that you know that who has actually had some sort of enlightenment or some enlightening experience in their life has realized uh, that 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 is not the path mm-hmm. and I had to go through my own journey I had to you know I, I had some successful jobs when I first started and my first job was at the White House after that I was working for a hedge fund for a number of years um, you know there were things that that were from all external uh, purposes looked to the part and looked like things were going well. But the fact is that internally, you know, I was falling apart and that was something that was, uh, that continued to progress. And the fact is that I didn't know any better. I was just doing what I thought was achieving the American dream yeah. and, and that realizing that I could go even further and even farther if I woke up from the American dream and achieved a great American reality. Yeah, uh, yeah, so that was my experience. Uh, you know, you know, it is so true because we're conditioned to think that just throw all your your work, you throw all your your whole yourself into your job and your hours. And I went down a line as well where I was like doing overtime, unpaid, and, and work, and mm-hmm. not realizing that I have a, a six year old son at home, and he was only a child. I was coming home from work, going straight mm-hmm. to college, and I just wanted to get up and get up that ladder. Which over the last few years, I had uh, my own enlightenment journey which came to an oh, end nice. and all the scales fell from my eyes. And uh, right. <laughs> now it's kind of like, what do you prioritize? What are you doing here? You're living for work or you're working to live. And I just, you know, Tell me about it. really came across it. But another point I want to get to, I tipped on intermittent fasting there, but you, there's something very interesting that you've done that I want to hear more about. And it's, I think you call it the hundred day transformation. hundred day transformation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. The hundred day transformation. <laughs> very well, Okay. What happened is after I started, uh, I was speaking, I was working with Tony, I started to realize that these success principles are things that are were just patterns, patterns of success, clues, if you call it, that were laid out in front of us that we could actually choose to implement and duplicate in our own lives. And I, I say this all the time, you know, the quickest way to success is to do what successful people do. The quickest way to get money is to do what people who are making money do. The quickest way to get rich is to do what rich people do. The quickest way to get healthy is to do what healthy people do. And I saw that, you know, the, the more that I hung around these people who were doing well and implemented those patterns to my own life, I would do the same thing. Now, at the same time, I started a, a coaching practice called Inner Power Unleashed. And you can still find me at innerpowerunleashed.com. And that was essentially, you know, duplicating the patterns of extraordinary human performance. 
then at the same time, I was applying that to health. And a couple of people, they asked me to get them prepared for a Tough mutter. It was in 100 days. And I said, okay. And I said, let's do this. And I said, I wanted to see what would happen if we did everything right. What if we did everything? What if I did, a, a, you know, I wanted to see, I was, and I, as I was consistently measuring my blood to see what my uh, metabolites were, what my enzymes were, to see what my markers were, my biomarkers. I wanted to see because I had had so much damage. I actually wanted to see what I was doing and making sure that what I was doing was having an impact on my health. You know, I would do, you know, two months of green drinks, you know, twice a day. I would do, you know, two months. I did two months of eating two cartons of eggs a day, you know, one for breakfast and one for dinner and a stick of butter. And, you know, every day for two months. And truthfully, I lost more weight on that than I ever have anything else in my life. Um, but I was trying everything and I wanted to see it. So I said, well, what happens if we, we trained right? What happens if we ate right? What happens if we, you know, did, you know, recovered right? What happens if we did everything you're supposed to? And what would actually, what would that look like? Well, and I think you, you may know in a hundred days, not only did I transform my body and my, my physical body, it transformed on an external level in a way that I never could have imagined. But what was more amazing was the internal transformation. I dropped my cholesterol by 40%. I went from 167 to 107. I ended up, I, my triglycerides are in the low 20s, which if you know anything about blood uh, panels, triglycerides in the low 20s are extraordinary. I, my VLDL is in the single digits, and I doubled my testosterone. And this was all, and all within 100 days. And I said, well, if I could put this in a pill and sell it, this would be the number one blockbuster drug on the planet. I was like, how do I get this to more people? And, you know, so I continue to try to help people in that. But here's not, here's the cool thing about this whole thing. The transformation, people say, well, in order to get to look like that, you must have been training a lot. And I said, well, a fair amount. And they said, well, how often were you training? And I would say around six hours. And they would say, oh, six hours a week. And I said, no, I was training six hours a month. I was training six hours a month, and I was maximizing the high-intensity interval training. I was maximizing high-intensity lift. I was maximizing uh, elements that I took from Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Body, and I compounded it with my own trainings, my own teachings, and I wasn't able to get it down to four hours, but I was able to do some an incredible transformation in six hours and using a lot of different, his uh, some of Tim's teachings and some of some other great people's teachings as well. And... I ended up thanking him later, and I actually I saw him at an event and told him uh, uh, that I really appreciated it. He, he allowed me to help a lot of people. Um, but that's how that began. And then when I realized, I said, wait a minute, I can do some extraordinary transformations in a short amount of time by manipulating the body's hormones that so many other professionals in, 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 that you see, that they do it uh, exogenously, and that means externally. And I knew that there were ways to do these same things and manipulate these same hormones in the body naturally. I saw that, you know, the, the people that win Mr. Olympia's, you know, they manipulate three hormones, testosterone, growth hormone, and insulin. And they're actually taking those and they're doing, you know, all types of stuff. But I knew that if you lift a certain way, if you train a certain way, if you eat a certain way, depending on what you do, you can manipulate all those three things naturally. And you can reach your genetic potential faster than you ever thought was possible. And this is what I, and I, this is what I do because I would see people never in a gym and they'd be in a gym for months, if not years, and they would look the same. Yeah. And I would yeah. say, you know, you should look like you exercise. If you're exercising, you're spending that much time in a gym, hours every day, so for some people, and you should at least look the part. And so what I would do is, so I created a program called Inner Power Fitness. 
And with Interpower Fitness, you know, we did, you know, fast dramatic transformations. I used to call myself a, a natural plastic surgeon that if you wanted a, a butt like JLo or arms like The Rock, I can help you do that. And, and that did very well. And then recently, and you may know, was more, I guess over the past 18 months, has been the development, creation, and expansion of BioFast Health Global. Yes, and yes. that has been just a, uh, an extraordinary journey of not just transforming people's bodies, but people's health, people's healing, uh, transforming their disease, transforming a number of different areas. And more specifically, the reason why I began this journey is for longevity. Mm-hmm. And it has been absolutely phenomenal. And I'm, I'm passionate and I'm willing to answer any questions you have about it. Now, this is where biostacking comes in. Am I right in saying that? Yes. If that is right, yes. yeah. Maybe you can explain yes. that. Kind of. Okay. Well, biostacking, well, bio, first let me explain what a biohack is. A yeah. biohack is any type of action that you take that manipulates their biology to have a greater expression or a greater result uh, as an as a expression of the action that you took. For example, um, you, a lot of people say that a biohack of, for example, say a lot of people go to the beach and they get sunburned. They go out in the midday and they get sunburned and they're saying, well, this kind of sucks. I don't like being sunburned. Well, how there's certain biohacks you can actually do throughout the morning to actually reduce your ability to get burned and increase your solar callus. And this is the, uh, this is regardless of what skin tone that you are. And it actually has to do with getting certain amount of AM frequencies, red light frequencies in the morning, which actually prepare your body for the UV rays later on in the afternoon. And so that's a, so that's a hack, okay, a biohack. Okay. Now, a bio stack would be to actually not just get up and watch the sunrise at the same time, but watch the sunrise while you're grounded at the same time. And so you'll be getting two sorts, two biohacks. One, you'll be actually getting the sun's photons from the sun, which would actually be acting in your body as infrared light therapy or red light therapy. You can look it up. There's lots of research on the benefits in the body. And at the same time, the light from the sun hits the DHA that's found in your skin and actually turns that into electrons through the photoelectric effect. At the same time, it's going to be generating vitamin D3. And at the same time, your feet are grounded in the sand. If you're watching, if you're, if you're in the ground, if you're watching the, if you're at the beach, I watch my sunrises at the beach. And so at the same time, I'm getting a plethora and abundance of electrons from the earth. So I'm getting electrons from the sun, electrons from the earth and electrons generate within my skin and high levels of vitamin D that actually supply immense sources of energy throughout the day. And the fact is that I can move faster, require less sleep, have more uh, hormonal uh, generated as a result, uh, when a, when more specifically melatonin, because melatonin is produced, a lot of people think it's produced at night, but it's produced in the morning. And so all of these things are stacked together just by doing a few simple things in the morning. And that is a bio stack, where okay. you are stacking multiple biohacks together. Uh, can I ask you then, say, if you were advising people from across the world on this, yeah. so I live in Ireland, and uh, uh-huh. we, we are renowned for not having that much vitamin D, so we take supplements. And I take vitamins every day, you know, okay. um, omega-3 and vitamin C and D, whatever, you know. Um, yes. Now, I, I had listened to one of your talk talking about this yesterday, and this mm-hmm. morning I got up, I'm working from home at the moment, yes. at 6 o'clock in the morning, and mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I'll catch a bit of the sun rising. So I stood out at the front of the estate, but the sun was nowhere to be seen because mm. as typical in Ireland, even though it is coming into summertime, it was completely overcast. 
what, like, does that matter? Like, how do you advise people in different countries on these types okay. of things? Well, here's the thing. The body is actually incredibly resilient and is able to adapt regardless of where it is on the planet. Now, initially, when we came out of Africa, we spread across Europe, we spread across uh, the Middle East, we uh, had darker skin. But as we actually went further north, our skin lightened in order to actually get greater levels of vitamin D from the sun. But at the same time, there was also another hack that was actually happening, another adaptation that was happening within the body. And this, I tell all of my clients that regardless of where you are, you can optimize your health. But if you do certain things, those that are closer to the equator or not are further south need to optimize and get as much sunlight as they possibly can. Those that are further north, like yourself, need to optimize their cold exposure and get intermittent bouts of cold exposure, which will actually take up and activate the enzymes in your body to actually make sure that you are not getting the deficit of vitamin D3 that you would normally and actually operate and improve your immune system in a way where you can still do some extraordinary things, even though your vitamin D level may not be as high as mine down here in the tropics. And so there are ways and there are things you can do, but the further south you are, the more sun, the further north you are, the more cold exposure you need. Okay. That's very interesting. I didn't know. Yeah. No. Um, when you're talking about biostacking, do you come across... Yeah. Like, like you said, like when we, we spread out from Africa initially, mm-hmm. you often hear people saying about, uh, you know, they're heavy, they're genetically heavy or fat, you know, <laughs> yes. or their, their genetics, they might yes. have a slower twitch muscle fibers or, yes. you know, they have these, like how much of that can, do you have to battle against? Can you, like, can everybody still be fit that can run 25 minutes? you know, five miles or whatever. Can everyone have that potential? Are, are we limited by our genetics to some degree? We are, we, there is a genetic, uh, there is a natural genetic limit that we all have, that we all are, are, are better at in some things than others. But the fact is that we all have the potential to do extraordinary things. We all have the potential to run a marathon. We all have the potential to do uh, some of the things that Wim Hof is doing. And even though some people may have a greater genetic propensity to be able to do that and pick and be able to adapt faster, it is still possible. And so truthfully, you know, I I look at Wim Hof and at some point in the future, I would like to do one of his challenges and actually trudge across, you know, Poland with him in several feet of snow. And I know, you know, that is something that it's, it's, it actually has to do with something called your halo type, which is your mitochondrial DNA that is inherited from your mother. And it's, it's only passed down by your mom. And so your, your mom got it from her mom and, and, and then you got it from your mom and so forth. And it's actually in, to stay the same. It's the only part of your genes that actually does not change. But because of our environment, because of our exposure to toxins, because of our exposure to, you know, to EMF, because of our exposure to things that have continued to wear down on the body, we have had a horribly detrimental impact on our mitochondria. And if you don't know the biggest organs of our body that harness mitochondria, one is the heart and second is the brain. And then there, but there actually is one part of the body that actually has more mitochondria by a tenfold than any other cell in the body. And that's the female egg. The female egg actually has a hundred thousand mitochondria per cell when the brain cell only has 5,000 mitochondria. And what happens is that, so all of the areas of the body that are impacted by our environment, you know, uh, uh, toxins and so forth that have a negative impact on our mitochondria are having a greater impact on our 
on our moms or moms out there as mitochondria as well and on their children because it's passed on to their kids. And so this is why right now you may have saw that over the past hundred years, the lifespan has gone up and it has continued to go up. And right now it's kind of peaked. And even in the past few years, it has kind of gone down one or two years. And people are asking, well, what's actually happening here? Well, it's actually very clear what's happening because what happens is unless we actually do the things to support mitochondrial health, mitochondrial biogenesis, and that's something that I specialize in and I work with my clients very specifically on, unless we actually do those things, the mitochondria inherited from our parents and from and to their kids will be dysfunctional. And it's something called heteroplasmy, which is the rate that mitochondria break down. And you degrade, just so you know, you degrade around 10% every year uh, on a cellular level, until you get to around 80%. 80% heteroplasmy is when 80% of your mitochondria are have degraded. But at 80%, but up until that point, they can maintain and still be able to achieve cellular functioning very well. But after 80%, it shuts down. It has, and this is why after the round the age of 80, people start dying. People actually, that's the extent the the what they say now is the 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 limit of human life. But what you actually find is that the natural lifespan of a healthy human who has taken care of the body, taken care of their cells, taken care of their health, would actually live around 120. And this is actually what we believe the true potential of human lifespan is. And then you have so then you have a few centenarians that are living to around 100. And right now. If you do the things that we're encouraging, to do the things that extend your lifespan, do the things that extend and improve your health, you can add 30 years to your life easy, easy. And I'll explain what that looks like and I'll explain you know, what, what those things are. And if you want me to get into it, I, I'd be more than happy to talk about it because um, after a lot of people don't realize that after the age of 80, there's three things that kill us. And these are the same three things that kill us at 80 as they do at 120. And number one is heart disease, number two is cancer, and number three is neurological disorders. Number four is falls, and so this is something called sarcopenia, when you actually don't have the muscular strength to keep yourself sturdy and keep yourself upright whenever you fall. And that is the fourth leading cause of death. But the other three are things that we can control, Mm -hmm. depending on how we eat, how we train, and how we live our life, and the environment that we live our life in. And depending on what you do, you can extend the time that those things, cancer, heart disease, which are all personally created, you can extend the time frame that those will actually take us out. And if we can extend them another 30 years, another 40 years, then we can, instead of passing away at 80 years old, we can pass away at 120 years old. Okay. And this is something, truthfully, and, 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 that's, and that's just, and I say that 120 because I don't want to really freak people out. But sometimes I do, because the fact is I plan to live to at least 150. And I can explain about what that looks like and how that works. And when I say I want to live, and people say, well, why would you want to live that old? Well, I don't want to be a old person who is old and frail and can't see and can't smell and can't move. Yeah. I want to be a hundred yeah. year old that is very strong, uh, movable, and that is able to put a 45 pound bag over my head in the overhead compartment on an airplane. I mean, yeah. to me, that's the new idea of what a true a hundred healthy 100 year old can do. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I try to help my clients achieve. That's what we're doing every day. And now in recent discoveries, we know that it's possible. There's a gentleman that is 38 years old. He was, when he first got tested, he was 42. He did a series of different activities, of which we do in my program. He is now 21 years old on a, on a biological level. 
His chronological age is now 40, but his biological age is 21. And there's another gentleman who is 24 years old, and they were, he was able to reduce it to seven years, and he's 17 on a biological level. The, the fact is that these things are not happening all the time. David Sinclair out of Harvard recently came, wrote the book called Lifespan, and he's the one who actually discovered resveratrol, which you may have heard, which is the component in red wine that causes us to extend our life. But he also discovered that by doing these things, that this is not just a theory, but something that actually happens. It's something called the Horvath clock within the cells that actually it determines how long you're going to live. And we can extend that clock and we can actually slow that clock down, stall the aging process and reverse it at the same time. Yeah, so you're basically reversing the aging process by yes, we are. incorporating these things. Huh? Yes, three, we are. Three things pop into my head here that, sure. that I've, I've been thinking about and that might affect this uh, on a basic level. And I'm thinking I'm not going as they put, you know, technology advances, I'm thinking yes. um, our food intake, like our choice of food and quality of food and fasting. Uh, yeah. Them three, like, you know, the development of these ideas like that, I know the food industry is a lot more regulated these days, but it's at the end of the day, you can still eat shit if you want and the chemicals <laughs> can destroy your body. Yes. Know, but, and I know the technology I'm saying is actually, you can see that they're curing some diseases over time. Yes. They are getting there. And you'd yes, like to are. imagine a world where at once a certain stage, you know, we'll be at the cure. Like people will be just passing from accidents, you know, and old age, whatever that number is, you know, which might be a lot higher than if that's the case. And also I've heard a lot of research on fasting, but when I talk uh-huh. about fasting, and I know when you talk about it, they're, they're two different things. Cause I'm only starting to rethink my yeah. idea of fasting over the last day or two watching okay. what you're talking about. Can you get a bit into like, you know, why fasting is important and what you incorporate, how you incorporate fast. Okay. A lot of people, when they hear about fasting, they hear about it because it can improve their health and help them lose weight. Mm-hmm. And as great as that is, that is just the side effect. That is not the main benefit of fasting. The main benefit of fasting is life extension. And this is for any species across the planet. And we've done tests on every species that when you reduce the amount of calories consumed by a certain percentage, you also extend the lifespan by an equal percentage. You cut the, life, you cut the calories of a worm by 20%, you extend their life by 20%. You cut the calories by 30%, you extend their life by 30%. This has been done with every species on the planet other than humans because it's kind of hard to test that with humans. But we have to believe that it works because all the science indicates that it does. But that's just the side effect. But what actually happens on a short term is actually incredible. And there's a number of different things. There are cognitive improvements. There are metabolic, there are, let me explain. Most of the diseases that I spoke on, cancer, heart disease, and neurological disorders, Alzheimer's, uh, um, those types of things, Parkinson's, they're all diseases of metabolic dysfunction. And metabolic dysfunction actually originates from your inability to process energy. And this is what we were actually talking about before. A lot of people, you know, even when you look at obesity, obesity, a lot of people think that it is an and people say it's excess food, and we get electrons from food. So a lot of people think it's excess electrons. It's actually not 
the case. Scientifically, the way that it actually happens in the body is something called electron leak. We are actually, because of the, the body is, and the cells are unable to process the energy from the food that we eat, it actually creates an electron leak, which actually goes into overflow and actually turns over and is stored as fat in the body. And so the more in shape, the more primed that the engine of our cells are, the faster they'll be able to go, the healthier they'll be able to be, and the more they can actually maintain cellular health for a long time to come. And this is in those diseases, actually, the way and you have heard about the metabolic theory of cancer, you've heard about the metabolic theory of diabetes, the metabolic theory of, of heart disease, which I can get into. And it has to do with our inability to process not just energy. And I, I, I want to say this, but I want to say this with a, a caveat, our inability to efficiently process carbohydrates. And a lot of people say, well, we're not, we were meant to eat carbs. We were plant eaters at one point in time when we evolved. And yes, that is true. We were plant eaters, but we also, people don't realize that we evolved to eat plants in sync with the earth's light cycles. Right now, you have people that you can go, it's be winter time, and you can go to any grocery store across the planet, and you can find the most abundant source of summertime fruits and vegetables and everything that grows in the summer available during the winter. Now, what actually happens is this creates something called a circadian mismatch in the body. And the thing is that in order, and remember we were talking about the fact that we eat food for one reason, for electrons. Well, what we've discovered in the past few years is that you have four proteins around the mitochondria that process, in, that process electrons through the electron change transport. Okay. And there's something called cytochromes that are on each, each of those proteins. Now, that's just a, a bit of science there, but just so you understand, Cytochrome 1 processes, uh, processes electrons from carbs. Cytochrome 2 processes electrons from fats. But here's where it gets awesome. Cytochrome 1 is stimulated by ultraviolet light from the sun. Cytochrome 2 is stimulated by infrared light from the sun. So depending on the type of food that you're eating, in order to maximize your ability to process that food, you actually have to eat and get some exposure that is in sync with the food that you're eating. So if you're eating an abundance of fruit, make sure you're getting an abundance of sun. During the wintertime when, when the sun and, and the ultraviolet light, lights are less powerful, that's when you actually have to switch into more fat based foods. And so there are certain things that I encourage people to do and that I help them manipulate to modify and maximize their energy production and maximize their electron utilization within the cell. Well, that's amazing stuff. You wouldn't have never heard it. Yeah, we, we don't. Yes. Well, these see, no, but see, the thing is that these are discoveries that are being made on a daily basis. Yeah. These are yeah. things that I, I am in the journals. I am in the studies. I am in the experiments. I am watching these things, you know, and I am waiting to read the experimental results on a day by day basis. I am immersed in this and I want to know about it as soon as it happens so I can be able to relate that information to my clients and be yeah. able to get them the best actionable advice possible immediately. And it's kind of, it baffles me sometimes that we're in the year 2020 and we're just learning these basic things about our bodies, how they work with the world around us. Like, you know, with all the technology we have, and you know, everything they can do now, we're talking from thousands of miles away. You yeah. think, you know, thousands of years ago, people would be saying, you know, surely we'll figure out our diets before we get to any of this stuff. And now 99% <laughs> of us having a clue, you know, like even people who think they're healthy, you know, are just, yes. you know, 
going along with it. And it, it's just kind of crazy that these discoveries, such simple biological discoveries are being made. Yes. It, it, well, for me, I had to understand, I had to, because I was always looking for what's the best diet. You know, that's a simple question yeah. that anybody who's trying to get healthy would ask themselves. And so you hear, okay, the plant diet's the best. And so, okay, so I will look into that. And then I started to wonder why are some uh, some vegetarians getting heart disease? Why are they dying of heart attacks? And then I said, well, maybe there's something there. And then I would look, and then there's a marathon runner. I was like, okay, maybe it's if I do a lot of exercise. And then you hear of, of marathon runners having heart disease and having and dying of heart attacks. And, and, and this didn't make any sense to me. And I said, okay, well, something's not right there. Maybe it's the carnivore. And then I would look at the carnivore diet. And then you would see, wait a minute, there's still problems actually within that diet. And, and so I said, well, wait a minute. Okay, what, who is right and who is wrong? And here's what I discovered, because I did discover the answer of what's the best diet. And here's the answer. It depends on your makeup and what your goal is. My goal right now is for muscular growth and muscle retention. So I'm eating a different way and I'm consuming different things to produce a certain result. Not everybody is gonna be exercising and lifting the way that I am. So for some people, certain things are more important than others. But let's say for, say we had the average 150 pound person. And so, because this is, I want people to understand that first you actually have to figure out what your goal is. And then when you figure out what your goal is, then you're actually able to figure out what's most important. But a lot of people think when they say well, what's important, they think that everything's important. They look on TV, they see fasting's important. They see the supplements are important. They see that, you know, taking a walk is important. They see that it was in low, is it no carb? Is it low carb? They see that, okay, I'm supposed to get grains, but grains are bad. You know, mm -hmm. like, and so there's, and they don't understand that the reality is that all of those things are important, but they're not equally important. There are some things that are more important than others. And so what we did at BioFast is that we actually broke everything down into percentages where you can see the what is most important, what equates to 40% of the equation, and then what equates to 20%, and what equates to 10%, what equates to 5%. And when you're actually able to break that down, you can see if you do the first few most important things and do those consistently, you may have 70% of the program down, 70% of the optimal health lifestyle down. And without, and, and a lot of people may say, well, where do supplements fall in there? Well, let me say, not all supplements are related are equal. The best one without question is liposomal vitamin C, and that's something that we provide to my clients and we provide as a service as a product as well. But if you were actually to actually look at supplements as a whole and the supplement industry and what the other areas of optimal health look like, supplements would only be 5%. 5% of what is actually included and in, in regarded as optimal health. And the rest is actually all the other things which are far more important. They're, not, they're still important, but other things are more important. And that's what people need to understand. That it's, and you're not told that on TV. You're told, okay, blueberries, antioxidants are good, but you're also told you know, to, that this antioxidant is, is, is equally good or this is better. And you don't know that, okay, they're all good and they're all good for optimal health, but some are more important than the others. And the priority is what people miss when they're trying to create a optimal lifestyle. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's. it's I may get into this bio uh, health. You know, I have to I have to go further into this after this podcast. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you: when you were saying about specific goals and, and training certain yes. ways, my aim up until say last year was I was going to the gym four or five times a week, and mm -hmm. I was I was one of those people who was in the gym for years, 
and wasn't really improving, like you said yourself. Uh, but I felt lazy sitting in the office on my lunch yeah. break. So I went there and I said, at least if I'm just maintaining, you know, whatever, muscle mass or whatever, keeping my fibers strong, then I'm doing something active. Um, and I had my turnaround last year. I came off my bike training for an event and I broke my shoulder, shattered it, had to get a plate put in it. And then I sat at home and I just launched this podcast and I said, I'm looking at this health thing completely wrong. And uh, I started running. And now mm. my goal shifted then between, you know, completely. And then I, I found out about intermittent fasting. And then I started running, exercising in a fasted state. And okay. Immediately I realized my performance was way better. It was like tw- yeah. I was running twice as far and yeah. my energy levels were way higher and I was eating less and I was running like 15, 16, 17 hours into a fast. Yeah. And I just kind of put this together. Without knowing the research behind it, I was like, and one of my friends is in the army, he's a PT in the army and a corporal and he, he started doing it as well and he found the same thing. And the more people they spoke to, you know, we find people were doing it as well and they were finding the same effects. And losing weight but maintaining muscle mass and um, yes. i'm f- f- trying to figure out but still i run probably four or five times a week now i yes. do some strength training at home that's mm-hmm. a major but mm-hmm. i'm trying to figure out then how do you get to a stage where you were working out for six hours a week you know what i'm, <laughs> what I'm thinking i have to go out for yes. five or six runs a week and then yes. do strength training and then fit this yes. in and then fit this in. yes like, but you know how do you get it so refined you can, okay. you know, and I'm sure you, you have the answers for it. I, I do, <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do, I do. It's all this is also in my book as well. Uh, but I, I had because I had these same questions. I wanted to know, you know, what is the best way to lift? What is the best way to reach this goal? What is the best way to run a marathon? What's the best way to put on muscle fast quickly? And what's the best way to train so you actually are able to do that without being sore, without being, you know, overtraining, without and how do you actually know what that is? And it's something called your maximum recoverable volume and your minimum effective volume. And there's, these are things, and, it's your, and so these are things that you actually have to, to balance. And we've able to scientifically discover that there, the average is around between 10 and 20 sets per muscle group per week. And so what that means is whether you're lifting every other day mm-hmm. or you're lifting twice a week uh, and hitting that muscle group twice a week, that means you would get 10 uh, sets for one that mu- that one training session, and then get another ten uh, later on in a week. But that's around the maximum recoverable volume that you can do and consistently actually still see progress and see and be able to max out your training, but also max out your growth and recovery. So now, when you're talking about sorry, when you're talking about that, you mean like you know you're talking this graph where the over. Um, you know, when you, when you do exercise, you go into yes. recovery and then you come in the overpronunciation mark and then you, that's when you train again to improve your baseline. Is that what you're talking about? There is a, there is a range. There's something called your minimum effective volume, which is, say, 12 sets per week. Yeah. And that's the minimum that you need to actually progress or to grow or to seize any type of progress in the gym. But there's a certain limit that you can't go over. You may add, say you're adding one set a week, every single week. And then after a while, you can't do more than 20 sets in a week because you do 22 and you're just sore leading into the next time that you train. Yeah. And yeah. so that's called your maximum recoverable volume. And so you actually have, and it changes depending on what your, your, your level of performance is, but you actually have to keep your training routines somewhere in the middle. 
And it's usually, and you can find it. And once you find that groove, and I work with my clients to actually be able to figure out exactly what that is, but it's actually very scientific and it's not very uh, well, well dispersed across the, the population. Some people are able to get by with a maximum recovery volume of, of eight and do four sets on Tuesday and four sets on Friday. And, you know, and actually, and, and that's, and it has to do with the way that their actual muscle fibers recover and the way that, the way that they're utilizing their training. But some people need, or, you know, need higher uh, intensities to actually, and some people may be closer to 22 or 24. Now that's about as much as you'll get, but you're not gonna see much more variation than that. So I try to tell my clients to stay in between 10 sets and 20 sets per week on any muscle group that they're doing. Okay. And it's all about reducing. Yes. It's all about shortening your recovery time, really, isn't it? Like our well, w- well, you want to be recovered before you actually train again. Yeah. And that's the thing. And because if you actually are training on, you're training on Monday, and then you and you do too many sets, and say you do for whatever reason, say you do twelve sets, or and, and that's a little bit too much. And then on Wednesday, you and you're still not recovered, but you train again. All of a sudden, you're going to have uh, decreasing. Um, uh, you're got you're actually going to start to see you're going to get tired more. You're actually going to start. You're going to be sore more. You're going to have your central nervous system is going to be worn out. There's actually going to be a number of actually things that actually work against you. And so you need to optimize not this training, but recovery. Yeah. Recovery and what you're doing in that recovery, because and here's the thing: muscle is anabolic for around 48 hours after you train, and is and the maximum muscle protein synthesis is maxed out in the the eight hours after you train, and but it still increases; it doesn't stop, but it goes down, and it takes around 48 hours to get really back to baseline. And so, for me, what that means is, if some people you see maybe training once a week, well, that means that for only two days out of that week they were growing. And the other five days out of the week, they were actually just wasting, they were not letting that muscle lag and not utilizing it for when it actually could be utilized to grow and put on more muscle. And so I, I help people do that and I help people maximize that. And, and I just want to also say, you, you mentioned muscle retention and you mentioned fasting. The thing is, a lot of people don't do fast because they think that they're going to lose muscle. Yeah. And this is a myth. This is, and if you see me, I, I'm fairly massive. I keep a fairly, you know, uh, uh, lots of size on me around 240 right now. And I'm able to, and last year I fasted for 76 days straight, you know, almost, you know, almost in you know, two and a half months. And I'm sorry, not straight, <laughs> but, yeah. but in total. Oh, yeah. And what we do is, you know, I usually do a seven to 10 day fast every quarter and a three to five day fast once a month. And a lot of people were saying, you know, how can you do that and still actually be able to maintain muscle? And this is what so many people who talk about fasting are missing because they don't realize that the benefit of and the magic of fasting isn't just in the fast, but it's during the refeed. During the refeed is an exceptional period of time to maximize and even double your muscle protein synthesis. So for me, what I do is I do an advanced form where I'm actually fasting for seven days. And then on the seventh day, I will train. I would go into the gym and I would do a full body training uh, routine where I am just absolutely killing it because I know within the next hour, as soon as I get home for the next four days, right before I break my fast, I am actually going to kill it and just have my muscles just searching and thirsting for nutrition to grow. And as soon as I get home, I'm eating the best, I'm getting my body exactly what it needs to recover and transform. And during that, during that period of time, your body takes advantage of everything that you feed it it is essentially like a sponge it is repairing recovering rejuvenating and and revigorating every 
cell of the body. And it does this at twice the level. So what your normal uh, muscle protein synthesis, say, could be 40 grams of protein every two and a half hours or so. Let's say that's uh, for a normal sized person. But when you're actually been fasted for seven days, your muscle protein synthesis doubles. So I'm able to eat twice as much as a normal person and have all of that go to my metabolic growth, my muscular growth, and actually have, I'm able to maximize my growth hormone and I'm able to maximize my, the, the elevation of all of the different uh, IGF and different things that are actually happening because of my training. And so I maximize the recovery period in the refeed more so than anybody I've ever come across. No, but, but it's possible yeah. and that's how I do it. And so that's how I do it. One thing like we were talking about there is like, you know what we were talking about? When I went on to fasting and we were talking about the muscle retention, I went from someone who was kind of lifting weights and cycling as my okay. kind of cardio, you know, okay. um, so I, I was I was thinking what in my mind I was swimming also as well and I was thinking that you know people were telling me you're going against yourself by lifting weights and cycling you're going to be too heavy on the bike and they're saying that they're running as well and I didn't want a specific goal I wanted optimum health you know I wanted the yes. I wanted the benefits of the because I knew weightlifting also fuels your fibers it holds off arthritis in the long yes. run and I just love doing it you know and I wanted to also be cardio fit you know to have my heart healthy so that's why I wanted yes. to cycle or run and people were saying you can't do both and you can't do three or four of these things so when I started fasting and running and stopping yeah. weightlifting I was terrified about the muscle mass side of things you know because I hadn't been in the weight room in about seven months but mm. I have a scales that gives me body fat and muscle mass and it hasn't really mm. gone down and I kind of think hmm. like, I don't, I, I don't look a hell of a lot different. Maybe a small bit, but you know, it, it hasn't happened. But can you keep instead of like I know you're saying you can train for specific things, but can you get that all-rounded goal as well? Incorporate all these yes, just yes, you can. Yes, you can. But it does, it does require a progress. It's something called progressive overload. And progressive overload, that's both in uh, whether you're doing endurance and whether you're doing resistance training. You mm -hmm. actually have to slowly increase the amount of tension on the muscle and it's something called mechanical time under tension. Yeah. And this is something that a, a lot of people uh, aren't quite, they don't measure it exactly, so they aren't able to really track what's actually happening in the body. And, but there are continue, people, most people don't reach their true genetic potential until maybe 20 years of actually training. You know, some people, some people are able to do it much, much earlier than that, but really to really optimize that where your, your body is at its best on its cellular level, not just in terms of hormonal, because your testosterone goes down as you get older, um, but just in terms of on a cellular level, you would actually see that you, like bodybuilders, for example, sometimes they reach their, the, amount, um, the maximum amount of muscle that they can put on, on at their genetic potential 20 years later. Now, but there are some things that you can do to actually be able to achieve progress in both areas, aerobically and anaerobically. And one of those things that I recommend to everyone and I tell all my clients to do is something called Tabata. Now, are you familiar with Tabata? It, my friend who was saying about it, it's in the army, he mentioned this to me last week, but I still don't okay. know much about it. Okay. Tabata is the number one exercise on the planet. It's the best exercise in the world. If you do a search for it, you'll find it. And the crazy thing about it is it's only four minutes long. And it's four minutes long, but they have done consistently done tests across the board. And you have 
a greater aerobic and anaerobic response from doing a four-minute Tabata session than you do from running for or jogging for 30 minutes straight or from doing solely a lifting resistance routine as well. So you're actually able to improve both your anaerobic and aerobic capacity by doing this one exercise. And it's absolutely phenomenal. And it's something that I try to do a couple of times a week um, when I'm able to get in the gym. <laughs> Even yeah. though a lot of us are on quarantine right now, but it's something that I absolutely recommend that everyone add into their repertoire of exercise. Well, I may add that because the way I've been looking at training aerobically and anaerobically has been going out like on Monday, say I went out and did a half marathon distance aerobically. Okay. So I did it okay. slower and okay. I, I ran it and that's fine. That's in my head, that was my aerobic training because the way I've seen it was. Like, you know, it's the base of a triangle in your fitness. So you need the, the baseline mm. fitness to, go, to get a higher peak. And then I ran yeah. out today and ran my fastest 5K. So I got a new personal record of, it was like 25 minutes, which is good for me after coming down the times. Mm. So I'm trying to do, trying to, what I was really, see, I tested my VO2 max in a lab setting okay. while I was doing uh, in January. Great. And it, it was lower than I thought. And then... <laughs> Basically, VO2 max, if, if people aren't familiar with it, it's yeah. how much oxygen you can take in cellularly in mm-hmm. your body while you're training, you know, and yeah. then, then lactate threshold as well. So I incorporated yes. a kind of running technique or schedule. So I'd have aerobic, more aerobic, three or four sessions of aerobic and then anaerobic or interval training and things like that. But I found it's very slow progress as well. Now, I did run out, and I have been getting personal bests in small areas every time I go out doing a run. Mm-hmm. And I know you can only you know account for certain amounts but my sleep has been terrible i don't know why in the last few months and my energy even today lacking like you know when your sleep is down i feel your motivation is gone and uh, yes I'm, I'm at home and you think being at home you know saving your commute why well, a three-hour commute usually you'd have more energy but i was lying down just earlier on and just closed my eyes for half an hour was refueling my energy mm-hmm. then i got out running but yeah. um, like should i would be focusing on you know, the aerobic, anaerobic, like I, from talking to you, I feel as though I have to rethink this whole thing of intermittent fasting and all. Well, okay. See, it, it depends on what the reason that you are intermittent fasting for, because there, the reason why I started doing it, it was for the cognitive improvements, it was for the metabolic improvements, uh, and metabolic flexibility is key. And I, I just want to say that metabolic flexibility is key. It's not to be, a lot of people say you're going to become a fat burning machine. Well, your body naturally is, is, adapt, is able to burn fat, but some bodies are able to burn it better than others. Uh, and this is somebody's able to process it better than others. And so what you want is you want your body to have the ability to be able to switch from glucose to fat and ketones very, very quickly, depending on what energy source is there. And that's actually what's going to give you the most energy throughout the day. That's actually what's going to be able to drive you, depending on what, regardless of where you are in your aerobic workout, whether you're doing it fasted or whether you're doing it with glucose or in glycogen in your muscles. Um, and so I, I want to say that. And I also just want to say, to give you some advice, the way that the muscle systems in the body work, whenever you're training for maximum muscular health, you're, it's not just one thing. The, there's a, a few different components. One, I train my clients on one, which is VO2 max, the increased amount of oxygen that they're able to utilize. Uh, two is actually to improve their lactate, the ability to practice lactate, lactase. Now, what that is, is that when a lot of people say that, uh, um, uh, who's the guy, Lance Armstrong, who was 
won the Tour de France you know, seven times in a row. Okay, you know, yes, he was, you know, he had some doping, you know, uh, accusations and stuff like that. But his ability didn't come from having an extraordinary VO2 max. It actually, he had an extraordinary ability to process lactic acid. And so there's certain exercises, certain routines that I train people to do to be able to process lactic acid and that is not necessarily focused on improving their VO2 max. Mm -hmm. And so we concentrate on VO2 max. We concentrate on lactic acid. We concentrate on metabolic and uh, something called mitogenesis. And this is where the mitochondria within your body are actually regenerating. And the more mitochondria you have, the more energy and oxygen that you can process. And there are certain things such as Tabata, such as interval training that actually increase your mitochondrial biogenesis. Then at the same time, we also do some ex training to actually increase their muscular endurance. And this is something you may feel when you're, if you've ever gone swimming and tried to wade in the water for a period of time. You know, that is particularly, it's not necessarily that you're losing your breath, but it's more of a muscular endurance mm -hmm. type activity that you actually have to be able to improve upon. And now all these different systems in the body require different energy systems as well. And yeah. so these are things, so in order to improve your overall uh, uh, results, whatever that is, whether that's long distance running, whether that's uh, timing, whether that's distance, you know, there are certain components that actually have to be optimized. And it's not just training. A lot of people just want to run long distance and run that every time and expect that them actually to continue to see improvements. But no, you actually have to work on a different energy process systems within the body in order to see consistent improvement across the board. Yeah. I was kind of focusing on, you know, I want everything to be at a good level so if i ran i wanted to be at a decent time across the board if i lifted yeah. weights i wanted to be a decent weight you know and if i went out for a cycle i want to be at a decent distance and i wanted to be able to look at what are the different areas of fitness and longevity and do well on each of them well, nutritionally you know and, and, and all forms you know and it's it's i know it's 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 tough like that to, to level it down that's why i don't when people say what's what's the goal i said I don't know a specific goal, <laughs> but I'd like to be a strength and conditioning coach where people come to me and say, I want to train this thing. And I'd be like, right, that's grand. Like, you know, I'm actually good at that, you know, um, you know whatever, yes. whatever they say. And for my own benefit as well, for my own health, you know. So that's one of like, my intermittent fasting, the way I did it is since September, I've been doing 18-6. I started 18-6, awesome. Good for uh, you, man. That's, that's kind of seven days a week. Now, some weekends, okay. I drop it to 16-8. Um, I have been doing it this week, actually, 16-8, still find that good. And I run sometimes fasted, sometimes not fasted. Is there any long-term, like, should I be taking that break? Like, a couple, I heard about the 5-2, you know, schedule as well. Like, is it okay to be doing seven or eight months so far I've done every day intermittently fasting? Or should I be incorporating a day or two fasted, you know, completely fasted yeah. or breaking my fast? Well, let me say that every type of fast actually activates and improves different systems in a body. Uh, intermittent fasting is good because it actually allows you, it, it gives you a period of time to actually go without consuming energy and allows your, and allows your, your, your body to experience some mitogenesis, but not that much. It's really just increases your ability. It's called metabolic flexibility and increases your health markers and on a number of different things. You know, decreases your, your, your risk of diabetes, your insulin levels, hyperinsulinemia, you know, blood sugar levels, all those things go down and your ability to actually absorb and process the carbon in your food and process the sugars go up exponentially. Now, that's really what intermittent fasting is about. Then after you extend that to three days, you get into more 
extended fasting. Now, there's between the two and three day periods, some incredible things actually happening within the body. After 72 hours, the, the cellular stem cell uh, linings within the cell actually completely re regenerate. And a lot of you may have heard that, that the immune system uh, regenerates within 72 hours of fasting. Uh, the stem cell production goes up, your growth hormone level goes up. And then after after the 72-hour mark, you experience something called mitophagy. First, you experience autophagy. And autophagy is, and for maybe your viewers are, are aware that, that's something that was recently uncovered uh, that uh, someone won the Nobel Prize for, where it's simply described as self-eating is what autophagy means, autophagy. But what mm -hmm. it actually means is that the old senescent cells in your body that have just gone long past their prime are now be able to be recycled and consumed by the other healthy cells that actually are able to be much more resilient to increase their strength to increase their ability to process energy and all of these things and get rid of the old cells the, the senescent the cells the cells that are are way past their prime and actually remove those from the body so you're when you're left at the end of the fast you have a fully optimized human being and so that's what happens after the third day and then there's something called myt mitophagy, which is really when the mitochondria within your body, they start regenerating because your mitochondria realizes, wait a minute, we're at an energy deficit. We need more energy. We need to be able to process energy better. And then what actually happens is that the way that it utilizes, and not just the food that you eat or the fat that's on your body, because we have an abundance of fat stores in our stomach and in our butt and in our legs and in our lower back, you know, that will keep us in a, in a fed state for a very, very long time. But what happens is that the mitochondria realize that, wait a minute, we're in a stressful state and it's a positive stressor. It's a healthy stressor. It's called a hormetic stressor. And it actually adapts and begins to create more mitochondria that are healthier and stronger than they were before. And then there's something called, it's called xenohormesis with a Z, with an X. And what that is, is it actually, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> no, xenotophagy. My apologies. Xenohormesis is something else that I'll get into in a second here. But xenoautophagy is actually where your body starts consuming all of those lingering pathogens that have been in your body for way too long. I'm talking about the old, you know, uh, the old chickenpox viruses that are just lingering around. I'm talking about those old viruses that have been lingering around. The fact is that some, a lot of these things, when we get better, when we get sick and we get better, those things still exist in the body. It's just that we have antibodies to actually be able to fight them off. And, but they're still there. And with xenoautophagy, you actually begin to process and consume those things and, and actually uh, flush them out of the body. And depending on how, how healthy or how sick you are, there can be, there can be some effects actually, actually when you have massive amounts of bad bacteria that start dying within the blood. And because there's, this is, it's something called, some, have you ever heard of it? It's called the Herxheimer effect. It's called Herxing. Yeah. And whenever you take, whenever you set, for example, what happens is with the first couple of days of fasting, you heard people, they feel like horrible. They have headaches the first few days. That's called the, that's called the, a lot of people call it the keto flu. And it's when their body is actually preparing to, and adapting, switching over from burning glucose to burning fat. Now, what also happens at the body at this time is that there are massive amounts of toxins in the fat stores that have been stored there over your entire life. And people say, well, how many toxins do I have in my body? And I tell them, it's quite simple. 
you, you know how many toxins are in your body just depending on how old you are. The older you are, the more toxins you have stored in your fat because they've been accumulating there your entire life. And unless you've done an extended fast, they will continue to accumulate there. So unless you actually done have done, and this is what, when people talk about detox, people, there's several la layers of detox. And unless you're actually getting at the fat, in, which is the most absorbable tissue that we have within our body, a lot of those negative toxins will still be there. And even though that you've done a short-term detox or this type of detox or a juice detox and all those other things, if you're not getting it at the fat storage, those things are still there. Now, what happens is they're released in the bloodstream all at once because all of a sudden you're burning all that fat that's on your stomach and on your butt and that's been there for a very long time. And when that's released in the bloodstream, all of a sudden that you have these toxins, which weren't in your blood before are now there. And when I tell people, and one of the things I also encourage is to take high dose vitamin C, liposomal vitamin C along with that. So liposomal vitamin C, it actually kills those, and, and it bonds, and, and actually it's a chelator. So it bonds to the heavy metals in your blood that are coming out that are, have been absorbed, all the mercury, all the, the lead and all those other things. And it bonds to the toxins that are actually being excreted as well. Uh, but what happens is when you're not taking the right things, when you're not taking vitamin C, when you're not taking berberine, when you're not taking different cleansers, when you're not taking chlorella and those other things that act as chelators within the bloodstream, these toxins build up and you get sick. And, and, it's, and it's called Herxing or the Herxheimer effect. Is, and you guys can look this up and it's spelled just like it sounds, spelled just like it sounds, H-E-R-X. And it actually, it, it's, it's something that is actually good for the body uh, because you're actually getting rid of toxins, but it can have a negative effect on the way you feel, which is why most people cha have challenges after the second or third day. And so the way that we do the, with the BioFast protocol, if we actually help people do the things that they need to do to get through that period successfully without herxing, without the keto flu, and be able to do it with the breeze and not feel hungry at all. And there's a way to do it, and I can break that down, but it is possible. Yeah, and I tell you, like, when you talk, so basically, should I be extending a fast once a month, maybe just to flush yes. out that kind of stuff? Should yes. people be thinking <laughs> that that way? Yeah, across the board, there it's one of the, it's the one of the healthiest things that you can do, and for the price, there's nothing healthier that you can do that costs anything less. Yeah, <laughs> for three days, yeah. uh, for one to three. I mean, one. even just a twenty-four hour fast is good yeah. for you. Yeah. It, it's good for you. It is yeah, not, you know. I, I, did, I did find, like, I obviously Lent had just gone by, and um, a couple of things. I well, for Lent at the end of Lent, I did a twenty-four hour fast, and uh, mm -hmm. me and one of two of the lads did it. And funny, like after doing eighteen hours and sixteen hours, maybe it's the time of day I started that it was difficult, and I was tired, and he was tired, you know. And yeah. I, I, you know, but now when I got it done, I was happy I did it, and I had no, you know, I, I did find you get to a certain level of tiredness or hunger then it just starts to fade away then and you just you just coast through it then yes well what happens is that see i, I see nutritional ketosis is key mm. and ketosis is when you're running off your body's own ketones and until that happens you're still running on glucose and you're still feeling like crap and it still takes a long time to get there unless you do something successfully, unless you prepare successfully. And this is what we encourage our clients to do is that we have a three-day prep period before the fast begins. Because yeah. what you do over those three days will determine the health and determine the success of your fast. Because a lot of people, if you're eating sugar every single day and sugar for breakfast and sugar for lunch and maybe a snack for dinner, you know, and all of it, and then you go cold turkey, your body's like, what the hell? You know, where, where's my sugar that I've been used to? And what's, what's happening? But 
if for those three days you've been eating healthy, you've been eating more healthy fats, you know, coconut oil, olive oil, you've been eating, you know, lean meats, maybe some chicken breasts in your salad and, and, you know, different types of things, maybe tuna, you know, those things and having as much, you know, avocados and having a more of a fat-based diet than a carb-based diet. Mm -hmm. Leading up to the actual beginning of the fast, your body will be more adapted and be able to handle the stress instead of going cold turkey. And at the same time, the more fat that you consume, your body will actually become more adapted and, and produce the enzymes to be able to process that fat. And, and so this is what I tell people to consume, you know, things like coconut oil, olive oil, MCT oil. These are things that actually MCT oil is great because it converts to ketones, beta hydroxy, a butyrate in the body, which is a ketone that can be burned right away. And so when you're, and so and this is something that's actually not processed by the liver and goes straight into your, your muscle cells. And this is something that in, in your muscle cells in your brain and something can be used efficiently. So if you do happen to get hungry when you're on a fast, you can have MCT oil, oil and it actually will give you an energy boost and you actually won't be hampering autophagy. You'll only be enhancing it and enhancing the systems within your body as well. Yeah, because that's one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, what to clarify, what actually breaks a fast? Because there's a lot okay. of talk about, you know, black coffee with no milk or sugar um, or yeah. uh, apple cider vinegar with the mother in it. Like when I wake up, yes. I, I have, when I do my fast, I do have a black coffee sometimes. Mm. I do have, like I heard that apple cider vinegar does boost the health yeah. effects of it. And like, is yes. that true? Yes. Okay. Well, let me say the ideas of fasting about what, what represented fasting have changed over the years. And there was for a long time, people thought it was just no food. And I said, okay, if I went for no food, then I am fasting. But then it started to morph into other things. And then you hear people say, if they're on, if they're drinking juice for a month, they're on a juice fast. And I want to tell people that a juice fast is not a fast. You are getting nutrients and benefits from the juice. Yes. And that is good. And you are not getting any more of the crap that you were eating before. Yes, that is true. But you are not fasting because as long as you continue to give your body a steady source of glucose, you never get into nutritional ketosis and you never get into autophagy and you never get into the health, healing and longevity aspects that come about as a result of a true fast. Mm -hmm. Now, a true fast is what happens when the liver is utilize all of its glycogen. And then there's two forms of glycogen. There's one, well, that within the muscle and that within the liver. A lot of people think that they have to deplete their muscular glycogen in order for ketosis to take over. No, it's only your liver glycogen. And so we encourage people on the first day of their fast to get around a one to two hour walk in the morning on the first day. That will actually accelerate their their transition into nutritional ketosis. Now, you asked me a question, and that was what actually constitutes a breaking of the fast. Well, let me say this. When you're into deep ketosis and when you're into your maximum levels of autophagy, which I could send you a chart that we created at BioFast Health that sort of maps out exactly where you are, both with autophagy, with uh, your growth hormone, and it's, sort of, and it's on a chart so you can see where your levels are. And once you're into ketosis and autophagy, the only thing that breaks a fast is insulin. Insulin will shut your ketosis off in a second and it will shut down your ketone production in a second and it will maximize and boost your insulin production immediately. And so you have to actually, so any type of thing that actually boosts your insulin and boosts the level of blood sugar within your body will shut down a fast. Now, what are the things you can consume that enhance a fast? And this is where it really gets cool. 
because the things that you can consume that enhance the fast are anything that enhances the autophagic processes within the body. And autophagic processes are the process of autophagy, which are accelerated, and we know this from scientific discoveries over the past few years, of things such as coffee, things such as black peppers, things such as turmeric, things such as uh, green tea, things such as uh, dark chocolate, believe it or not. Uh, I, like cacao is something that I absolutely uh, mix in with my coffee and I mix in with my turmeric and I mix in with my MCTO in the morning when I'm fasting and all of those things actually enhance the autophagic response in the body. And so there was a time period where we thought that those that you actually, it was calories that stopped our that our fasting process, but yeah. it's actually not the case. It is insulin. There are difference between good calories that in help a fast and calories that hinder a fast. There is a difference between broccoli and a candy bar. There, and, and, I, and the reason why I use broccoli, because more specifically, broccoli sprouts have something called sulforaphane, and sulforaphane drastically enhances the autophagic response within the body. And so broccoli sprouts, a lot of people don't know this, a Broccoli sprouts have 30 times, 30 to 50 times the amount of antioxidants as regular broccoli. So if you were to eat a square inch of broccoli sprouts, it is equivalent to eating 30 times that much broccoli itself. And so in order to maximize the amount of nutrition, the amount of uh, antioxidants and the amount of benefits of eating that much broccoli, you can get a square inch of broccoli sprouts, enhance your autophagic response, and actually not break your fast, but actually enhance it and get further progress as a result. So, you, you, so yeah, so I, I, like, I thought that it was a calorie count. Now, I did hear that an insulin reaction stops it, but I also thought that you can get coffee because it's such a small amount of calories. Like I thought it was, thought it was all the calories thing, but you're saying that there are actually things you can consume, like MCT oil or like, you know, but, the, because we have to look at what are the benefits of a fast? What's the point? Why are we doing this? Life extension, one. Okay. Uh, cognitive improvements, two. Metabolic improve improvements, three. A stem cell production, four. Uh, five, which is immune system enhancement. Okay. If those are the top reasons that we do this thing, anything that enhances those things actually enhance the qualities of a fast, whether it has a calorie or not. And anything that hinders those things is will actually shut down a fast. And so all the things that I actually spoke of, more specifically polyphenols, and there's a number of different uh, ones, quercetin's another one, all of those things enhance the autophagic response, enhance your cognitive improvements, enhance your immune system improvements, enhance your growth hormone improvements, your, your, your metabolic improvements, your immune system improvements, and your stem cell production. All of those things actually improve that. And when you do them together, this is another biostack that I absolutely love, is that you get a synergy of benefits as well. And a lot of people don't know this, even those things that I just mentioned, those things are good for you, not just when you're fasting, but when you're not. And they had a, recently they had a study where they had uh, some people actually consume every day for 30 days, they had to consume cacao, uh, cacao in, uh, in a drink, and it was essentially a, 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 a unsweetened cacao drink, which was like uh, cocoa without sugar which isn't the, the tastiest, but let's just say they did this two cups a day for 30 days. At the end of 30 days, their stem cell levels within their blood had doubled, had doubled. And so this is something that a lot of people don't realize is that if you're doing, the whole reason you're doing your fast is to enhance all these things, these six things, then anything you do to enhance that including the, the hacks as well, including getting sunlight, 
including getting code exposure, including you know exercising to a certain extent. And I can talk about how that's done. Um, but all those things enhance the levels of autophagy and the levels of metabolic re repositioning and refunctioning within the body as well. And because all of this works. There's also, yeah. I also heard about like, you know, fasting <clears throat> when not consuming anything at all has some benefits in terms of giving your gut a complete rest. Is, is that? Is G giving your what? Sorry, your say gut, that one more time? Yeah, it's giving your gut a complete break. Uh, your your, your, your yeah. accent's a little. <laughs> your, yeah. can, Yo, uh, your GUT. G oh your gut yeah sorry yeah <laughs> I'm sorry. But I, I heard that if you if you if you don't consume anything at all it's better again because you're completely giving your gut uh, you know yes 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 is yes. that true well what's actually it's not just about the gut but it's actually what's in the gut and what's in the gut is the microbiome and the microbiome is more abundant within the gut than in any part of our body there's actually more uh, bacteria in our body in, on a cellular level than there are actual human cells within the body and i can't remember i believe the the ratio some people say that there's actually 10 trillion cells there's 10 trillion bacteria with um, bacteria cells within our body and so we're actually mostly bacteria believe it or not and that's a whole another conversation we can get into but we have a symbiotic relationship with this microbiome and depending on what we eat will determine the health of the microbiome and so by actually not eating and by reducing the the digestive uh, processes of the stomach we actually have a chance to come back to baseline now let me say now unless you are now there are okay everything in moderation because I'm not telling people to go out there and drink 20 cups of coffee every day or uh, when they're fasting or go out there and eat, you know, 20 pounds of broccoli sprouts because uh, truthfully, I would not recommend any of those things. Those things are only good in moderation, just like water. We can't drink water to excess, but in moderation is extremely healthy. Uh, so that's what I would say that there is a certain level, but the, the overdose potential, and yes, I mean, you kind of know when you've had too much water, maybe you shouldn't have any more. Um, same thing with food. You, you kind of, there's, there's, but when you're actually working with someone uh, who has experienced, someone like myself, someone uh, who has actually done this before, a doctor perhaps, they can actually guide you and make, and you'll, and the, you'll get the benefits with ease without even worrying about the, uh, impacting the processes within the stomach or the microbiome. And your microbiome will thank you as a result. And, and, and by the way, since you mentioned microbiome, you know what influences the microbiome the most? No. Sunlight. Sunlight. Really sunlight. Okay. Sunlight. Yes. Getting exposure, sun exposure on your stomach and letting actually red light actually hit, the, hit, your, hit your, your microbiome. And this is, I can send you a number of different studies. You can put this in the show notes. But what they have found is that the diversity and the plethora and abundance of the healthy microbiome are stimulated by both the, the visible light and the infrared light within the sun. And you can find this, a lot of people say, well, I don't think, I didn't know that the sun actually shines that deep in my stomach. Well, Yes, if anybody has ever been a six-year-old child and they've taken a flashlight and they put it on their thumb, they can see that light shines right through them. It actually goes 30 centimeters deep, goes right through your body, and goes right to the places in your body that your body needs most. Mm -hmm. And so this is it, it's something that happens and it's something that I would encourage everyone to do as much as they possibly can. Okay. One thing I want to jump into a bit is uh, the third part of the podcast is called Truth. And you touched okay. on a couple of things you actually mentioned here I want to pick up on. You know, initially when you said you hit that rock bottom, there was a mm. huge God-sized mm. hole in your, your, when you were filling yes. up with different things. And yes. also you've, you've touched on saying that, you know, we're mainly bacteria as well. Yes. So I want to, <laughs> I want to throw this kind of question at you, you know, in yes. your opinion, 
are you know are are you someone who incorporates faith do you think that is part of like i found personally it's a tremendous boost to my motivation in life and and even giving value to myself to make me go out and be healthy and to help other people in the same way and the more i study these types of things that you're talking about the more intelligent design i see in it like how the more you know i I find in these things and that it makes it hard for me to think that we're just a byproduct of accidental sludge on a rock billions of years ago where's your sound in that well let me say this that I have learned both as a scientist, as a metaphysicist, as a person that is has immersed himself both in the physical and the spiritual. I can tell you right now that there is immense level of things happening that we cannot see right now. They say that if we could just see all the spectrums of light, not including all the other realms of energy and on a quantum level and beyond and all the other 10 dimensional space is actually exists around us that we actually can't even see and feel or even touch. The fact is that there is immense amounts of things happening all across all across the universe. And they say that if we could see it all, it would be one ball of light that you would not you would be so bright that you'd be blinded, would not be able to see anything else. And so that is happening all around us. If you could see just radio waves and Wi-Fi, you know, this place would be flooded and there would be just all types of colors and shapes going every single other direction. If we were able to see something called phase dilation, which happens within uh, on, a, on, a, on an atomic level, we're actually, there are some things that are actually in phase and it's one of the things that they talk about now in terms of what is actually makes up dark matter and dark energy and all these other things within the universe that, that the visible universe is only 5% composed of visible matter. So everything else, the other 95%, if you've ever seen, you know, looked at in recent science mags, there's you know, some really cool studies that say, okay, 95% of the universe is missing. So what is it? What is it composed of? And the fact is that there is an enormous amount that is there. So let me just, let me just say that. At the same time, when you get to say, I'm also, a lot of people don't know that when I first went to school, I was going to be a high energy particle physicist. And I was going to be, I wanted to study what was actually happening in the universe from the time that the universe was the size of a golf ball to this time it was the size of a basketball. And what was actually happening in that period during expansion? And there was, and that a lot of people said, well, that's not that big, uh, big of a difference. It's a world of difference, trust me. And so I wanted to actually see what was happening. And we were actually able to extrapolate and go back to singularity, which is the Big Bang. And a lot of people are wondering, you know, why did the universe just start this by, you know, accident 13.5 billion years ago? And what we find and what we believe is that that was actually not the beginning. There was actually, there was time, there was space before the Big Bang. And what we actually believe, and this is a whole other thing, is that, is that the universe was actually created by the collision of two other parallel universes. And were actually collided together. They produced enough mass, enough energy to actually create and give birth to the universe that we live in. So that's actually, that's, that's one, that's a scientific perspective. And... A reason I know this is because my hobby is, is supersymmetric string theory, which is something that I've been uh, disimmersed in since I was in, 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 in college. Now, the spiritual level is completely, is even more and, and even more expansive and more beyond than that. Because there are certain things, when you look at intention, when you look at energy, when you look at uh, intuition and synchronicity, things that happen without there being a true explanation of it, there are things that I believe that this entire universe is an expression of the 
of the one and the one is expression of, of them all. So for example, within this cell, within every atom, within you, within every person, there is a, a hologram of, or an imprint of the universe within you. The all is within you and you all at the same time an expression of the all. And so I believe that there, and, and, and it's interesting because I was raised, uh, you know, I was, I'm, I'm, I consider myself a Christian and I, my beliefs are Christian based, but I'm also a Christian scientist. I'm also a person that has actually, you know, wanted to see, you know, reach the farthest boundaries of what uh, philosophy and theology has actually taken and actually be able to take the next step and actually see and discover you know, what answers uh, there were to uncover and go beyond. I believe that right now, and, and this is something a lot of people, for example, let's look at the topic of aliens, which are is something that I, I, I think as a mathematician and as a scientist, it is actually implausible for us to be the only lives, uh, life in the planet, in, in the universe. And here's why. Because when a lot of people, if they don't know, there's something called the Milky Way, and the Earth is just one planet rotating around a star in the Milky Way. And right now in the Milky Way, there are around two 200 billion stars, okay? Now check this. Now you heard of galaxies, right? Those are other Milky Ways. There are more galaxies in the universe than there are stars in the Milky Way. So that means that there are 200 billion, at least 200 billion times 200 billion chances for a Earth-like planet to evolve somewhere across the universe. And then at the same time, then you multiply that times seven to nine, which is around how many planets we think a normal star actually has. And so you have that 200 billion times 200 billion times nine, which is the chance of there being life somewhere else. And the, the, the reality is that life is probably extremely abundant in this universe. And that there is probably in a whole in whole assortment of life of shapes and sizes uh, that actually exist and we are carbon based there's probably silica based there's probably oxygen based there's probably a whole number of things that actually exist depending on the 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 way that that environment has sculpted it now i could actually t talk about the you, you said that it seems that uh, there's some intelligent design and brother i tell you that it would not, it, it, um, I, I recently did a post and it's actually about two, two twins and it's two twins that are in the mother's womb and they're talking about life after birth and they're debating it and they're asking each other, do you think life after birth exists? And one twin is like, no, they're like nonsense. They were like, we, we have everything we need here. We have warmth, we have food through our placenta, we have everything. And and, and the guy's like, well, maybe there is something. Maybe there is, you know, and then he was like, well, it, maybe there is, you know, something that's taking care of us. And then the other twin is like, well, if there is something, why haven't we seen them? Why haven't we heard them? Why haven't they showed themselves? And, they got, and the other twin is like, wait a minute. Well, and then they're like, well, perhaps it's all around us. Perhaps it is what we're living in now. And then the twin is like, nonsense. Why hasn't anybody ever come back if there is life after birth? And they're going back and forth. And it's a, it's a silly conversation. But the fact is, there's some parallels and how we actually look at our life and our experience in this universe today. Mm -hmm. And so that there, there's a, I believe that there is, we are energy first and that we are vibrations of energy and that energy never uh, is built as created or destroyed. It only changes forms. Mm -hmm. And so the essence of who you are, it continues to reverberate throughout the universe on a physical level and on a quantum level and even on levels and dimensions yet explored. Because if you even look beyond, if you even look at this physical level, and this is something I, I, I'm, I'm passionate, really, I'm solely passionate about, is that there's actually 10 dimensions. There's 10 dimensions in one time. There's 11. 
And right now we live in a three-dimensional space in the fourth time. And so we have, and people have been asking themselves, who lives in the fifth dimension? And what we have found, if you look up something called quantum gravity, <laughs> which I can't even believe this is where we're going with this conversation. But if you look up quantum gravity, quantum gravity is that everything that is actually here on Earth is actually a hologram of a eight-dimensional eight space. And it is a shadow of actually what's actually there. And it really you know, blows my mind because it's almost as if you, because we can't imagine eight dimensional space, but we can look at its shadow. Mm. We can look at what the shadow looks like. And the shadow, and when they did this scientifically, the shadow looks like all the different uh, uh, elementary particles that make up our physical universe, mm. if there was a such thing. And we, so we, and we've developed this space, this, this shape of something that is actually, that we believe is one of the things that actually ex explain the weakness of gravity. And that's a whole another thing I can get into. But it's fascinating and I believe that there is far more than we can possibly imagine. And for us to think that we are the only ones, for us to think that this is it, I, I think that we are sadly mistaken. And um, and there's much more in store, I guarantee you. Yeah, I, I want to throw something at you, right, that that's, um, has led me down to look down the scientific mm -hmm. routes that you're talking about as well. Because I, I went through an experience when I was younger and mm -hmm. growing up that I would have been that would have put fear into me a little bit now mm, from yeah. four years old upwards so I would have always imagined these kind of black shadows okay mm -hmm. and uh, this this was kind of a nightly occurrence and I've talked about this before uh, on this um, and it went on from four or five years old to teenage mm -hmm. years and uh, I remember the age of the internet obviously started and then I was able to Google stuff and I realized that thousands and even millions of people were, you know, seeing the same kind of phenomenon. Yeah. And I, I got to say fortune tellers trying to get some answers on it yeah. this, that and the other, you know, um, a couple of years ago, I was, I was, uh, it, it came to a head where, um, well, four or five years ago where I, uh, had seen, I tried everything, you know, at that stage. And uh -huh. I had, I, I'd seen this documentary. Someone said, you know, Jesus, I trust in you. And, something changed and so i said it with not much mm -hmm. and it seemed to something seemed to change or overlap mm -hmm. you know there seemed to be mm -hmm. an intensity behind it and everything changed from that moment and straight after that then it started my whole focus on you know living my my best life almost you know nah. and, and this is why i'm sitting here now kind of thing you know and this is why i tie in the mental with the physical because it overlapped my health so much but when people argued against me about, you know, atheists did, I couldn't uh, defend it from a scientific point of view. So I had to delve down to see, well, if there's a God, how can it be, you know, evolution? How can, uh, you know, how old is the earth? And I had to go into all these things and to say, well, okay. to try justify what was finding now. Like I say my prayers every night and I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. I do find there's a connection there, you know, yes, and yes. I, I do feel as though when you speak, your hair, you know, you get that kind of intuition. Yes. And even had gone into the basics where, you know, we're talking now, but if you look mm. at it in theory, we're two blobs of bacteria and matter that yeah. form by yeah. chance over billions of years. But yes, we're receiving each other's information based on our experiences. We're processing it through, and we're like, even how we, our conscious mind is so unexplained, you know, we're still trying yes. to get into that, you know, and that all just backs up my, you know, my own faith in these things. Well, I, I do believe that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Mm. I believe that our, our time on this planet is short uh, relative to the infinite 
uh, amount of time that we will have for eternity to spend to, to do a whole host of things, which I'm sure are in store. I yeah. do think that this, uh, you know, I, I, what is next? Let me let me say because you were actually what you were talking about seeing the uh, shadows or 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 entities of some sort. Um, I do believe that there are beings that are a, that we can sense that are. That are, uh, that are that are energy beings and that are out of phase depending on what dimension you know that may, may that some people are able to perceive a little bit more than others, but that they exist. I mean, because if you're this infinitely creative God, and God is infinitely creative, and you can create anything that you want, why would you just stop with Earth and humans? It, like you, you would create if you're infinitely creative, then there will be an infinite number of actually things, worlds, people, like the energies, you know, that we may or may not uh, truly understand. And we're only beginning to actually really understand, you know, just the physical level, much less the spiritual. And so, like we're, you know, our our growth on a conscious level, on a on a on a global level, is changing dramatically. Uh, even as even as we speak, you know, one of the things I. And I don't know. Are you familiar with the Schumann resonance? We talked about that before. Um, it's the it's 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 the heartbeat of the planet. And people say that. And people when they meditate, they want to meditate at a seven point eight frequency, which actually is the level of calm and level of peace and, and presence. And and the reason one of the reasons why they say that that is the frequency you want to meditate at, and that's what the brain actually goes when you actually it's the uh, the alpha brainwave state, but what they found is that the human resonance for the past couple hundred years has been 7.8. But here's where it actually gets even more interesting. The advanced meditators across the planet, they, when they've studied their brain waves, they don't go into uh, alpha state when they meditate. They go into something called gamma. And gamma is an extraordinary, highly unusual brainwave state that very few people on the planet have actually been tested to actually have. And so those who have been meditating for 30 years consistently, they, they have had uh, expressions of this gamma wave brainwave state. Well, what has happened over the past just month is that the Schumann resonance on the planet, which is the frequency between the ionosphere and the earth, has actually increased from 7.8 to 120, which is the gamma wave state, which has a lot of people saying, okay, well, what does that mean? And well, how does that actually affect us? Well, first of all, it is affecting us, and I'm not sure how. I don't know what that looks like, but I do know that it does have an effect on all of us because we're living beings on this planet. But that also means that the human body is actually primed to get in sync with the Earth in the heartbeat of the planet. And so that means that there are probably people all across this planet that are having moments of gamma brainwave states, which means moments of higher consciousness, moments of expansion, moments of breakthroughs. And I think that right now across the globe, yes, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of turmoil, but I also think that we are poised uh, to experience a lot of breakthroughs and a lot of ascension and a lot of uh, progress and uh, incredible uh, things as we go forward and as we elevate the global consciousness of the planet. I believe that it's happening now, and even things don't always look that way when you look on the news. I believe that there's some other processes happening behind the scenes, even as we speak. Yeah, they, you, you put it in a great way. It's very hard to explain yeah. these things sometimes to put it out, but the way you put it is very well. And I think, you know, it's not that far off the conversation that we started with either, because I think that, like, um, you know, we're talking about, like, how our body gets functioning optimally and how we're figuring out yeah. this information. Like our, our DNA is so flooded with information, you know, it's like <laughs> they say the pin drop of it is yes. enough books to stack, you know, yes. how, you know? but, but like, that's why I think it, it ties in because, you know, when you, when you look at 
you know, these things. It's hard to think that we're just, you know, here by accident yeah. either, you know, like it's, it's yeah. and that's why no. I think it, you know, it, the whole thing encompasses, you know, it, it won't have. No accident. No. No, no, I definitely think it is. But, you know, if, if, if I was to take, if, if people listening were to take away one message from one big thing you're doing with your, um, with your, the bio health and the bio fast and, and uh, empower fitness and um, okay. what, what would it be, what would you say to them? You know, people uh, like I like to try and reach someone who's sitting on the couch, unmotivated, trying to get their health in order. There's nowhere to start even. Mm. Well, physically, uh, physically, what I would tell that person is first, I would tell them to reconnect to nature as much as they possibly can. One of the tragedies of the coronavirus has not been necessarily the virus itself, but has been the enclosure within our homes and the bombardment of continual uh, uh, electromagnetic waves from Wi-Fi and our computers and our cell phones and a toxic environment, which is your home has been consistently ranked as one of the most toxic environments that we will encounter in our lives. And so I think that the restriction to our homes is actually one of the biggest detriments because reconnecting to nature, reconnecting to earth, reconnecting to the outdoors, reconnecting to the place that we came from, both not just on just going outside, but touching nature, touching your feet to the ground, actually touching a tree and actually getting the negative ions transferred from the roots of the tree up through the tree, up into your hands, which actually happens at the same speed of light that it would happen if you rubbed your feet across the rug and touched a doorknob. That same transfer of electrons is what happens when you connect to a tree and when you put your feet on the ground. I would also encourage people to heal their body and improve their innate immunity by being exposed to vitamin D3 through ultraviolet light and infrared light and all the other frequencies of the, of the sun that are continuing to shine down on us and continuing to give us the healing energy that we actually need to upregulate our immune system and upregulate our natural born defenses. I would also encourage people to be careful of the artificial light that they're exposed to at night because you said you were having some sleeping issues. Yeah. And I know yeah. that when you have two bright lights uh, too close to the time that you are preparing to go to sleep, you're going to impair your melatonin production, you're going to impair your deep sleep, and you're going to impair your REM sleep, which means you're actually going to need more sleep and you're not going to be able to sleep as deeply and get as much rest as you abs absolutely need. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I would encourage everyone to do on a physical level is to reconnect to nature, is to be careful of their light environment, both their invisible light environment, and that's Wi-Fi and radio waves and the radio frequencies, and also their visible light environment and make sure that their artificial light is not amplified and elevated before they go to bed and make sure that they're starting their day with the sunrise. Yeah. Now, that's what I would tell people on a physical level. Mm -hmm. On a personal, individual, and spiritual level, I would actually tell people to open their eyes to continue to ask questions, to continue to seek, whether you're seeking truth within yourself, whether you're seeking truth within a philosophy, whether you're seeking truth just to answer questions that you want to have answered. I would encourage people to ask, to continue to seek, to continue to look for that which you are seeking and actually, and, and if you do that, you will find it. The thing is that a lot of people are looking for their purpose and there isn't one purpose, but there are purposes within everything. Your purpose right now may be just listening to this message and maybe sharing it with a friend or someone else who you may think it may help. At this moment, that's your purpose. But when you look on the larger grand scheme of things, your purpose as a human being on this planet is to be the fullest expression of who you are and who you can be. The earth is 
less without you offering your gift. And so we, I encourage everyone, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, is to realize that your gift matters, that your uniqueness matters, that whatever you're doing right now, wherever you are on the planet, you matter and what you do matters. And the more that you invest in yourself, the more that you take care of yourself, the more that you're able to give your gift to the world and the more that every single one of us benefit as a result. That's what I would tell people. That's what I would encourage you to do wherever you are. And that's what I would tell all of my loved ones. Well, that's a very powerful okay. message there, the way to lead it off. Fair play to you, Jonathan okay. Clark. Thanks very much for taking the call again. Absolutely. And um, I'm gonna post up, like you said, the links to uh, where we Please. can find more on Biofast and our fitness and all the rest. And even if, like, for, for for a moment, I might speak to you when we're finished recording as well. Just sure. a brief few messages. But uh, look, sure. I tremendously appreciate your time. Uh, you had plenty of time, and I've tons of questions that have come up that I, I won't get to because I should probably go on <laughs> no. for hours. You know, yeah. No, <laughs> no worries. But uh, no, rich, much appreciated. And thanks very much for that. Absolutely. And I would also say that I also am a nation, national supplier of PPE protective gear, masks, N95, KN95s, and three-ply surgical masks. And we're trying to get as many to as many hospitals and those that need as many businesses and those that need them to be able to go back to work, to go back to the, the workforce, to be able to help those who are on the front line. And that has been something that I've been doing for the past couple months. And the more that you guys can help me actually reach more people, the more people we we can help and yeah. that's something that i just wanted to share because that's one of my areas of focus right now that uh, we're really um, making a difference and in, in, in helping a lot of people yeah you know and we didn't even get to touch on the coronavirus and uh, yeah i know <laughs> you know before uh, look uh, much appreciated again and that's that's great appreciate it jonathan thanks very much <laughs> you're welcome brother you're welcome